Welcome to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast for fans who aren't ready to let go and newcomers to the series who are ready to jump in. I'm Drew Shulman. And I'm Marie Vigourou. In this episode, we're diving into Supernatural Season 6, Episode 9, Clap Your Hands If You Believe, with our special guests, Chris Mosier and Jeremy Greer. Let's get this show on the road. Thank you so much for having us. This is great. Thank you for taking the time, honestly. I'm so honored to have the two of you on. This is so much fun. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're having fun. This is our pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, we've, we've already spent, uh, what, like 15 minutes just being total, uh, utter chaos in the green room. So this, I'm a, I have high hopes for just uh, alienating most of your listenership. Through <laughs> <laughs> the power of chaos. I told Chris this a long time ago because uh, I went through a phase where I listened to every single Supernatural podcast that I could get my hands on. Like, I was just curious what was out there. Like, I just wanted to see what all people were doing. And it's fascinating. Like, there's so many different perspectives that people approach the show with. And yours was like the only one that I stuck with. I'm sorry, all the all my other supernatural podcast friends, <laughs> but for whatever reason, like yours were the only one that I was like, okay, these. And I think I even told Chris, like these guys are way smarter than us. I think the way that you formatted your podcast is really, really solid, and and it's it's way different than ours, and and it's just it's so effective, and I I think you've just you've, you've got a good thing going here. Thank you so much for saying that. Like, it, it really means a lot because when we started, like we knew about you guys, right? And we had listened to a couple episodes. At the time, actually, when we started, there weren't that many Supernatural podcasts out there. It was you guys and maybe a couple more. And then after the finale, there was just like a, a period of like two or three months where so many podcasts just like appeared, right? You were kind of like the the standard for a Supernatural podcast at the time. And it was like, I always assumed that all these other podcasts popped up because they were so sick and tired of what we had to say and thought, no, 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 no. They don't know what they're talking about. We need to speak up. <laughs> Chris and Jeremy are the hosts of multiple podcasts, uh, most notably Monster of the Week, a creepy but necessary podcast on Supernatural, and now The Winchesters. And you guys also have another podcast together called Still His Kingdom Keeps. And this one is about uh, TV show Merlin. Is that right? That's correct. I've never heard someone else say the creepy but necessary line, and now I'm fascinated yeah. by it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds different when it's not you, it. you saying it. Yeah, I've got a. It's one of those things I'm like, as you become a podcaster, I feel like one of the like curses is you start listening to other shows and like listening to things like I've been listening to the way certain shows are edited to be like, do they go that far to do the thing that I'm thinking of doing? It's like, no, even this professional show doesn't go that far. I don't have to do that. Like I got I'm I'm, I'm free. But like things like taglines or just like like musical stings, like just picking up on how they do these little things. It's like I'm enjoying the show, but taking notes. Doing doing a podcast will break your brain for podcast in a major way. Like it stops. It starts being a really weird to listen to them because you're like listening to them for, like you said, like to get inspiration for your own show. Like I'm just going to steal all of this bit. Like this is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. Like oh wow, that was such a good idea. Okay, let me write this down. <laughs> Let's keep that. Coming back to this episode, though, that we're talking about today, which is Clap Your Hands If You Believe, I'm just going to start off by saying that it was written by my beloved Ben Edlund, directed by John F. Showalter, and it originally aired on November 19th, 2010. For those of you who may not have listened to our podcast before, we usually start with a one-minute recap that Drew gives us. Count me down. Three, two, one, go. Start with a couple in a cornfield. 
and they get abducted by aliens? Oh, great. Another trickster episode, I assume. Clearly, I would be wrong. But we have crop circles. We have the true believers. We have an X-Files parody intro. This is full-on alien pandemonium, and I'm here for it. Sola Sam has his new conscience and Dean trying to teach him how to, like, be a person, even though he really doesn't know how to be a person. They split up for a bit. They try to figure out what's going on. Dean gets abducted, and then they figure out it's not actually aliens, finally. They figure out it's fairies, which is a whole other bucket of worms that's amazing to get into. And the two kind of get jerked around a little bit until they finally intervene with the person who summoned the fairies and do end up saving the day. And then Sola Sam kind of has a fun little questionable moment at the end about his uh, existence. Time. Is there anything that you guys would like to add that's like notable for you in the episode before we get into it? In the road so far before the episode started, which this is, I have not watched season six in years at this point, so we're coming back. And it ends with that very serious scene of Sam and Dean sitting at the picnic table. I can't remember the, the exact verbiage, but Dean is essentially saying, like, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know where your head's at. You don't have a soul. What's up with that? And Sam just kind of being like, dude, I don't really give a shit about you. <laughs> In context, like you love these brothers, you love that they love each other and they take care of each other for all the ups and downs. But out of context, you just go, wow, that's really funny. This dude just told him he doesn't care about him anymore. It's almost like he realizes like the relief of not having to pretend to have a soul anymore. He's like, oh, I could just be soulless me and just be as cold and as much of an ass as I want. Coming back to this and seeing the way that he acts was really just a a treat. (laughs) I'd forgotten how much I love Sola Sam. And I, I went back and listened to our podcast on this episode. And even in like back in 2017, I was like, I love this man. Like Sam is finally getting to do all of the stuff that Dean would do. Right. Like he Sam finally gets to be the older brother who doesn't give a damn. Right. He could just like do what he wants. He can sleep with sex workers and not pay them like, yeah, whatever. But he is having the time of his life while doing it. Like he is just having a great time. And I, I, I love Sola Sam so. I mean, he makes some really questionable decisions from time to time, but that smirk when he's watching Dean turn into a vampire, that smirk goes right to my heart, y'all. That's, I love it so much. <laughs> that like one second of footage, which to me was like a 30 minute mo- moment in my head, was just like, how could you? And I think that that is also like part of the reason why I love Solus Sam so much is that we actually get to see him enjoy his life, which we so rarely do. That's very true. And it, it's all it took was losing his soul <laughs> to feel a little joy, you know? <laughs> Men would rather lose their soul than go to two weeks of therapy, right? Like, <laughs> season five never would have happened if you'd just seen a damn therapist. Most <laughs> <laughs> of the show. For real, for real. Hook up John with a therapist, like, after the end of the pilot. So then after Drew does our recap, I usually go in and talk a little bit about like the things from this episode that are either linked to previous episodes or that may come up in future episodes. And we call that the long game. The interesting thing about this particular episode is that it doesn't really have any major consequences. So like we don't really have to delve too deep into that. It is a special episode with uh, a different intro, and that's one of the few, and it uses the X-Files theme. Now, seeing as I'm not an X-Files person, I've never even watched a single episode. I knew that it was something special, but I was like, I didn't know what it was the first time I watched it. I wish everybody was on the Zoom call to see me and Drew reacting to you never watching an episode of X-Files before. You should have seen his face when I told him I'd never seen Twilight. Like, that was a whole other thing. (laughs) Well, I I still haven't seen Twilight either, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm a huge Twilight fan, so if you need me, I'm here. 
But yeah, as far as like an homage to the X-Files intro, it's it was really cute. I think there was even a moment we watched this episode live with some of our listeners. Even like that moment that they show the cornfield and it like puts up like the location on the screen, but it comes up in that typewriter font and style. I was like, I know that. That's from the X-Files, isn't it? Like even that little detail clicked so quickly. It's very effective while still just using all supernatural footage. And I know that, uh, what's his name? Old Samuel Campbell, whatever the actor's name is. He plays a very prominent role on the Exiles as well. So it's, you know, there's a lot of carryover between these two shows. This is also the second episode with like a UFO slash alien fake out. The first one was Tall Tales, like Drew, you mentioned. And this time we find out that it was fairies instead. And that also includes like gnomes, goblins, leprechauns. And we also see a red cap in this episode, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah, that was a very fun piece of trivia that we were given. I'm really thankful for that because I do love this like area of like, the supernatural lore like in our own world. So like it was really fun to kind of have that crossover finally. All of these monsters are all human, right? Like, like, oh, it's a leprechaun and it's just a dude that's been on a ton of TV shows before. <laughs> Hearing you guys talk about that on your podcast was the first time that I realized it. And I had to pause the podcast because I was like, oh my God, all the monsters are human. And I'd watched the show so many times, but I had never noticed that all the monsters are human. Except for the Wendigo, right? In like episode two, they do a full on monster, which which according to the lore, that was also once a human. But they went full monster. Now, I totally understand from a production standpoint that they, they just decide this. And it almost makes sense if it's consistent with their world, if all the monsters just pretty much look like people. But it's also a little bit disappointing. <laughs> Especially in the realm of fucking werewolves. Yeah, I want to see a fucking werewolf. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hashtag not my werewolves. Not my werewolves. I've been saying this. <laughs> he has been saying this. This is too funny. <laughs> let me have the actual alpha werewolf be a wolf. Like not even like a werewolf. Just let it be a big wolf and I'll be like, fine. I'll let it slide. They just go get some footage from a zoo and then put some voiceover over it or something. <laughs> a la Buffy, you know, like when it's the coyotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am just going to point out that Dean says during the episode that like suffering is sitting in the dark and feeling the loss. And I'm just going to let the listeners who have seen the entirety of the series Take a guess at what scene I'm thinking about right now. Mm. Knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come here for this. <laughs> I came out here to have a good time and I'm feeling very attacked right now. <laughs> that is Sam Winchester to a T, though. Like, Dean understands. This episode is... It pokes fun at the boys. It pokes fun at the show and the and the format in such a in, in a in a pretty loving way. I don't remember if I thought that this was really really funny when I first watched it, but coming back to it now, I, I had a delightful time rewatching this episode. But he's, I mean, it is it's a great line because that that's the boys to a T. That's them. That's what they do. If they're not up all night, you know, pouring over lore, then they're 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 making a crossroads deal or they're just brooding in the dark. <laughs> I thought that this line was particularly revealing of like their character and who they are specifically of Dean, because he's the one who says it, but really like it's what he expects of Sam as well. So a little bit more indirectly, I think this was about Sam too. I agree with you. There's going to be another instance of blood and gore only being visible to some people, but only in a later season. Until they have that like switch where they kind of show you Sam's point of view and there's nothing there. I was like, 
what is happening? Is like, does having no soul make you not see gore? Like, what is happening? Explain the logic to me. He has no soul, so to him, that's just normal. Yeah, yeah, that's just that's a normal microwave. Honestly, with the hotels that John Winchester drug these boys through, that probably looks like a normal microwave to him. He's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's. I'd put a I'd put a frozen pizza in there, no problem. <laughs> oh no, D, you made soup, I guess. Yeah, whatever. I told you to stop putting meatballs in the microwave. <laughs> Dean tells Solus Sam that having a soul means feeling and specifically suffering, which I think is going to be important for a bit later in the episode. There's again another creature that can tell that something's wrong with Sam, which I always think it's my favorite genre in Supernatural. Absolutely. As soon as a secret is revealed, it's like, oh, everyone who could have known knows now. I especially liked it before we knew. Watching this season, you know, week to week when it was airing was agonizing. Just trying to figure out what is going on with Sam. And then monsters start pointing it out. And I'm just like, what is happening? (laughs) You couldn't have met a single one of these monsters that could figure it out like three weeks ago. No, they they were all on break for a few days. They're all all just like, damn, you're weird. (laughs) That's not helpful. It ties into that thing that I love about Supernatural, which is like, uh, and they, they make jokes about Angel Radio or whatever, but like there's a, it definitely is implied to be this network of communication between monsters. And I'm just dying to know more about it. Like the the vampire newsletter where they all get their news that, you know, Dean, Dean and Sam got another nest or something. You know, I just I love that idea so much of these people communicating with each other. And then like the head vampire being like telling the head werewolf, like something's weird with that tall one. I don't know what it is. Something's real weird with him. <laughs> You're going to have problems. <laughs> and sam refuses a deal with wayne i think was the name of the character uh or the fake character to get his soul back and he tells dean that it's because like he just didn't trust the deal but i think that there's really room to wonder uh if the suffering conversation didn't have some kind of effect on him dean is accidentally pushing sam in the wrong direction he's like you're supposed to be suffering remember how that feels like brother don't tell me that (laughs) tell me it feels better with the soul I am convinced that we are eventually going to hit a plot point that is going to be the whole soulless Sam not wanting his soul back because he, to me, I'm, I'm very much only on the whole, like the idea of cloning where it's like, I know I'm not the original, but if I give up, if I get, let the soul back in, I stop existing and soul Sam comes back and then I'm basically dead. I don't want to die. That's the, the, the view I kind of have on the whole thing. So I'm very intrigued to see when the opportunity officially arises to have his soul back, how is soulless Sam going to respond? And if you even take the decision out of it, meaning like, or what's the right thing or the wrong thing to do here, he's all brain, right? He's just all logic on this. So logically, he knows taking a deal is always a bad thing, right? So even even just from that perspective, of course, the soul of Sam is going to make this decision. But again, the, the whole suffering conversation is probably feeding into this choice a little bit, too. I love that idea that it's that he's that he's pure logic and it's logic that tells him not to take the deal because all deals are bad. When we've seen the Winchesters take deal after deal after deal based on the passion of their feelings and it always going wrong. Whatever. What an interesting idea to kind of flip that at this point in the story. Right. Just to say, like, oh, if you actually just like because it almost feels like it's an audience kind of thing. If you're an audience member, you're never taking the deal like you're never going to do that. Like it's a bad idea. You know, it's bad. You had to know it was wrong when you were doing it. And yeah, just to flip that for him to go no no that's 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 the dumbest idea possible d it presents an interesting idea about and i don't know if this comes up later in the discussion but about these other entities being able to circumvent things that angels and demons cannot can this fairy really just go down into the cage you know sam kind of taunts him about this a little bit like it's 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 with lucifer right or like whatever we don't know what's going on 
And but the fairy just doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. Um, it is. It's a curious question, you know, just because the the angel demon stuff seems to be like the biggest force in this universe doesn't mean that other other entities don't have like backdoors and, and secret paths that they travel. Yeah, we kind of touch on it very lightly in the um, the episode with all the other gods from other cultures uh, who ultimately Lucifer basically just beats to death, uh, kind of undoing that logic. But I do like the idea that like other cultures don't play by the same rules as as like the ones we know and vice versa. So that there might be ways that technically it could work. There might be some secrecy or some other ways around. So. No, and I completely agree with you guys. And I was thinking about that when like I was rewatching the episode and, and, and that's one disappointment that I have with Supernatural overall is that whenever they tried to introduce those kinds of creatures who would have like back doors and, and other options, they never really follow through with it. You know, we never really get a chance to see if it's possible or not. And we always come back to the angel and demon stuff. And and I do find that a little bit disappointing personally. I'm with you. I think the downside, though, is it opens up some very silly doors, like the brothers converting to insert religion here because that religion works differently. We might let them beat something that they couldn't do before. And like every season is just them being like this week, we're converting to Buddhism. Oh man, supernatural is problematic as is. If you they had them start converting to various religions, that would be a whole thing. I just don't trust this writing team. So today we're going to do things a little bit differently in our discussion. Uh, we're going to merge our story time and critical time in order to really focus on our theme, which is going to be humor. And as usual, I would like to start us off with a little bit of definition and etymology. I'm not sure that the etymology is going to be useful, but I find it fascinating. So we're going to do it anyway. Uh, I think that we all know, you know, that humor is like the quality of being amusing or comic. But the root of the word, I think, is going to blow some people's minds because the word humor has the same root as the word humid, which both come from Latin hum humere, uh, which means wet and moist, specifically referring to bodily fluids. And if you know a little bit about the history of medicine, for a really long time, we thought that the human body was made up of four humors, blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. And I'm going to stop here because I know a lot more about this than I really care to share on this podcast, but I feel like I really had to mention it. Uh, so if I really had to link the two somehow, I would say that maybe humor as we understand it today is of course a social thing, but it's also like a whole body thing. Like we feel humor in our body as well through laughter and all that stuff. I always love the, the four humors thing. I, I kind of figured we were going to go and I've never studied it as thoroughly, but I've always really enjoyed it and how just so many things we've grown up with uh, in media have like can weirdly be diverted into those four humors as well. There was a really interesting paper written where each of the four humors perfectly line up with four of the Ninja Turtles. Well, because the four humors actually line up perfectly with the four elements. Anywhere that you have like the four elements in storytelling, you can then talk about the four humors. Oh, yeah. I've seen people do comparisons with Avatar. I've seen the pair with the Golden Girls. I've seen it compared with you name a show with like a cast of like main characters, usually four. You can do the four humors with them. I don't want to stretch this too thin, but it is interesting. I'm thinking about humor and why is this episode funny? Why is Supernatural? Why are the, the funny episodes? Why are they funny? If this was your first episode of the show, would anyone laugh at this? Would it be? Maybe it's a little silly, but you'd just be like, okay, what is this? But this isn't just about 
jokes. It isn't just about delivery. It isn't just about the situations they're in, but it's everything that we know about the characters. And I guess this can be said for any long running show that switches it up and does something fun every once in a while. Supernatural is is incredibly good, I think, at at making comedy out of out of these situations. And it's because we've spent so much time with them. Dean's not necessarily out of character at any point, but he's elevated it just a little bit because UFOs is slightly elevated over what he's used to. He doesn't believe in them, but suddenly he's dealing with them. So it's kind of a big deal puts him into this extreme situation where maybe he's being just a little bit more silly because this is weird meanwhile you go over to sam who is just gonna seem like a jerk if you don't know the show but everything that we know about sam and everything we know about his current situation i was genuinely like like rolling over laughing when when dean is getting abducted by the alien he's calling sam he's screaming and sam is on the phone with him and then silently mimes to the waitress for another beer it's unbelievable it's so small and i just could not believe like the audacity of this man like okay dean's in trouble but like i got time for one more beer (laughs) again if you think about the logic like in story logic it makes sense because he's like even if i leave now i'm not gonna get there in time right so i may as well have another one why not i've already had two i shouldn't drink and drive (laughs) (laughs) logically that's a bad move (laughs) keep in mind he doesn't have the impala dean has it right so he's like What's he going to do? Walk to the cornfield? Like, but, but I completely agree with you, Chris. Like, I think that like, I, you know, I'd never asked myself if I would find it funny if I'd never seen any episodes of Supernatural, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would find it funny because again, because I don't, you don't know the background. You don't know how Sam is supposed to be or how he usually is when he has a soul. When I think about this episode, because I know that a lot of folks like don't love this one, But I think it's the funniest thing, like, maybe not on the show, but I love it. I think it's so, so funny. And when I listened to your episode about it, I remember you saying, I think, Jeremy, you said, like, a lot of people don't like this episode. And I'm like, how can they not like it? It is so funny. I feel like this is the kind of episode where, like, if you're following the show week to week, it could kind of feel like a slap in the face because you're waiting for the next big story beat and to then like completely shift the style of the show for a week. And then we've discussed this before where usually episodes that seem out there or funny or silly tend to still give us some kind of nugget of like, ooh, big reveal or ooh, some like juicy information to hold on to. And this one really doesn't and that, I, I'm like surprised that it didn't bother me the way it usually does. Like usually I, I, I can always go like it was a funny, silly episode. But like, oh, we we learned a thing that was important. Maybe the knowledge that, you know, you've still got nine more seasons of episodes ahead. Whereas watching it, watching it live, I'm trying to remember, I might have been somewhat disappointed. First of all, because they didn't go full UFOs. I was really hoping for some alien action. A little disappointed in that, although they showed it in the trailer that it was going to be fairies. But and then, yeah, the same thing of you're not learning anything here. And even in like changing channels back in season five, you still learn something about the trickster, his true identity at the end of that episode where, yeah, again, this one, the only thing that maybe you could take about this, it was the situation wasn't super serious. Lives weren't too much at risk for the most part, but Sam's actions or inactions throughout this prove that this is going to be an issue. And if we're dealing with some real, real serious stuff next episode, is Sam going to be a huge liability to Dean? It's funny now, but next time will it be as funny, you know? Like this was a little reprieve, right? Like we're we're giving you this in a funny, like 
setting. But now think about this when there are like lives at stake for real and it's not UFOs and it's not fairies. This is a uh, this is me just being terrible at watching TV apparently. But did they actually save the the, the people in this episode? Did the kids come back? Did Patrick did Patrick come back at the not end? Not only does Patrick not come back, but they kill the dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they kill the dad. So this is like this is like so no saving of the people. They didn't really hunt a thing. So <laughs> it's a net loss. <laughs> My one complaint with this episode, if I actually have a complaint is why did Sam not start with the sugar right away? Maybe because that seems like such a silly idea that he's like, that's not going to work. But Sam, your entire job is silly. Like, you should have you should have just tried it. It doesn't hurt to try. <laughs> one of the best moments of the episode is when uh, the guy is counting the grains and he's like, one, two, three, you ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the fairy is so, or the leprechaun is just so fed up with the whole thing uh, that he's just, I can't, can't believe that I'm having to do this for you. Oh, I really expected it to not work and it being one of those things where it's like, oh, but did you know that they could count incredibly quickly and like it does that like cheap t- television version of like fast forwarding flash style where he just like counts all like million grains in like a second. Also, this is this is just a terrible thing to subject a person to as well. Like, I don't know if any of y'all have read the comic book Preacher, but something very similar happens in the comic book Preacher where somebody has to count all of the grains of sand on a beach and it basically just drives them absolutely insane. We were told this during the live watch, but um, so Sam says something like, oh, I should have I should have done that sooner or I should have done that first. Right. Well, that was uh, an improv line from Jared. That's, it's a perfect soul to Sam remark. So he nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Why did I start with that? Why did I? Why did I think about that? I feel like Jared really got soulless Sam. Like he knew he was like, oh yeah, this is this is what he would say. Talking about the actors for a moment, like throughout the show, one of my big complaints about it is they don't give Jared really a whole lot of acting to do. Like Jensen really, really gets the good stuff in my opinion, and there, there could be an argument like that I prefer Jensen over Jared for a lot of different reasons. But like this season specifically, and like these kind of episodes, Jared just so sells it. Like it's this moment, these kind of moments where he just gets who Sam is, and where like when he's possessed by the devil, or when he's not got no soul, or whatever. Like he just he just really nails the character, and I, I like it a lot. He did such a good job with with Soulless Sam that, and I'm sure this is a sentiment that was shared by a lot of people. But I was so uncomfortable watching him for the first few episodes because I just didn't understand who he was or what he was doing. Why is this so weird? I'm a huge Sam fan. So just watching those episodes week to week, being like, what is going on with him? It feels so off. I was so worried. (laughs) How many times did I say that? (laughs) I had to like have an intervention with him where I'm like, listen, I know you're mad right now, but I promise you this is all going to make sense. He's not just a weird actor now, okay? (laughs) (laughs) i won't start till he's in walker okay um but i was so worried that he was gonna be lucifer and i just i don't know why that was like a fear of mine i was just like oh no it's gonna be lucifer this whole time and he's just walking around and in a way it's not all that different because it's still kind of not sam oh yeah that was my same theory my first theory was like oh this is actually lucifer wearing sam and just trying to be good for some reason and not getting it right I had a theory for a long time when we started doing the podcast that uh, all of Supernatural was just a uh, like a play that Lucifer was putting on in Sam's brain. And he was just he was trapped in the cage. And I really like I legit thought as even as we got into like later seasons, I'm like, this is going to be the big reveal. Like they're going to twi- they're going to do with a twist of all twists. Like I, I really wanted that to happen. But of course, it didn't. So I, I do want to bring up though, just because I think you guys also brought it up on your show. And I think it's my favorite moment in this episode because it is, well, one of the funniest lines 
it is so in character that I think it would work in any episode. But given that it's said in this episode makes it that much funnier. And that is Dean's description of the aliens when he gets back from being abducted as. Sorry, I have it here. Incandescent douchebags. Grabby incandescent douchebags. That whole that whole scenario is incredible. Dean coming back from from what he believes to be an, uh, an alien abduction. One of the most out of left field traumatizing things that could happen to this boy. He gets back, finds Sam in bed with some woman who he doesn't know, and then just has to try and digest both of these situations at once. <laughs> Poor Dean. <laughs> Not sure which is more sane or out of character. And he's like, which of these is the weird one now? It's at that moment that's, again, Sola Sam is like, okay, in order to do, he's like, you're upset. Like, let me guess the emotion that you're feeling right now. The the moment where Sola Sam puts his hand on Dean's thigh, to, like, like he's read a book of empathy. Like he's like, this is what you do in these situations. Like you, you physically touch the person that you're trying to, you know, it's just absolutely just fantastic. It's like yeah, the I uncanny so valley of, of empathy. Like it's it's so close, but not quite there. Like I think my biggest worry now is just seeing Sola Sam next week in a, I'm assuming, more serious episode. And how they can get across being soulless and some of these moments, are they going to be as funny or are they going to kind of tone it down a bit? I assume they're going to have to, but am I still going to laugh at every time he tries to be be, be himself? Because I guess seeing somebody fake it like that is kind of terrifying, right? I mean, that's what people say, like serial killers are like that. You know, they fake this empathy and they it's almost what Sam is, is doing. And um, here it's hilarious. Next time, like you said, maybe not so much. Well, we got a little bit of a taste of that in um, in Mystery Spot, where you know he uh, in the at the very end, at the very yeah. end, right, yeah. where he becomes this very like logical, like serial killer hotel room, right? Like I'm pretty sure it was cleaner and more organized than my own house. Like he channels the the dude from American Psycho so well in that. He, like he it's channels just, John it's Winchester. Like that. Like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> That's true. That's that's probably John more Winchester's, accurate. Yes, he channels walls John Winchester. Were the, were the walls of a maniac. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like John, as much as he was a maniac, was an organized maniac. True. true. Sam, Sam is an elevated version yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, he's built different. It's true. Every time I think about John Winchester, I can't help but think about that storeroom. I think it was in season one or two that they, they have to go find where he's stored some book in there and he's got it rigged up with the shotgun if you open the door like and don't do the thing. Like, John Winchester, you were an absolutely insane person. Like, you were just like, who is that for? Like, who's breaking into your stuff? The only person that knows about this is Bobby. Like, what are you doing to Bobby? <laughs> I think we've talked a little bit about, like, why humor works for us in this episode and and for me anyway, like it draws on stuff about Sam that like had been a bit underexplored, I think. And like, it really gets like the, the worst of soulless Sam and it creates these situations that are incredibly funny. Right. We've talked about a few for me, humor has a lot to do with trust. And like when I trust somebody uh, and they make a joke, maybe a joke that's even a little risky because there are certain parts of this episode that are a bit risky, particularly the one where Dean assaults the the little person, the DA, right? But when somebody that I trust makes a bit of a more risky joke, and I know that they are well-intentioned, I'll be more open to to listen to it. And usually because I trust them, like they're, the the joke is actually funny at the end because they know not to punch down, right? And so that kind of trust is established over time. And Chris, you hinted at that, I think, during when we were talking about how like we had known these boys for so long. 
But the thing is, like, I don't always trust the writers on Supernatural. And that's why sometimes the humor just does not land for me. Um, earlier this episode, this season, like there were a couple of jokes that I was just like, this just doesn't land for me. But a lot of these really did. And I think it's also because like, I am willing to give a little bit more trust to this particular writer. And I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with you. Uh, my wife and I have a thing where we um, we call it the cone of silence. Like one of us is about to say something that, you know, if I wrote it on a, in a if I wrote it on Twitter, may not be like the best way to present my thoughts. But like between her and I, who have known each other for three decades or whatever, we 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 can we can have that conversation without having to pre-apologize for any statement, right? And supernatural writers are extremely uneven at the best of times. Uh, so you get even Ben Inland, which is like one of my faves. Uh, sprinkles this sprinkles a little ableism in here like it's like a like an extra salt for some jokes and it's really not great and i think you know that's something that you probably you probably know this for you and drew right like you guys probably trust each other on a microphone a lot having been on a microphone with each other for quite some time and chris and i have that trust but chris also knows that i record every conversation that we have so he's just really careful because <laughs> 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 he knows i'll i'll just release oh, anything God. that he says it's happened many yeah, times the <laughs> the the idea of trust is yeah. hugely important to to humor. Um, uh, what are their real names? Jeremy Buck Lemming, but Eugenie Ross, whatever. We I don't I don't like their jokes. I think that they have written a lot of really offensive stuff over the years, and because I feel that way, I often am not giving them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm finding more insidious things in there. Um, where like. I won't give any examples. I don't, I don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But I find that because I'm already kind of on edge around them, I don't trust them. I'm not going to laugh at their jokes and I'm probably going to see something even deeper than probably they even intended. Something nastier than they really even intended. But with certain episodes, certain writers, you do, you, they have been generous with us as an audience. We trust them. So we, we give our laughter back to them, essentially. And and this episode for me it works that way. Yeah, I, the back half, the the fairy stuff. I'm like, okay, maybe this is a little iffy. The general tone of the episode doesn't feel mean. It feels like we're making a fool out of Dean. It doesn't feel like we're making a fool out of anybody else. That's that's the key right there. Is that like the, the all, most of the comedy is like Dean not Dean being out of his element and like incapable all of a sudden. I think that really matters, like who the joke is actually on, and because it's on Dean, I'm able to laugh at that situation, even though I'm like so deeply uncomfortable with it as well. A little bit like some stuff on The Office, you know, like where I laugh at some stuff, but I'm like, I, this is untenable. Like <laughs> I watched a TikTok today of uh, that. I can never remember his real name. The guy that played Ryan on The Office because uh, he wrote and directed Scott's Tots. Um, which is one of the most uncomfortable episodes of, of television that you'll ever watch. And is also one of the funniest things. Like, it's just, I mean, if you people out there are screaming at their radios right now, because it's, it's just, I just, I just brought back a bunch of uncomfortable feelings for a lot of people. But uh, it's exactly like that, though, where you're, you know, if you can get through it and it's funny on the other side and you kind of trust that the joke is on Michael or the joke is on Dean in our case, then, I, then it's good. Like you can, you can appreciate it. Well, that was always, so I had a little trouble getting into the show Shit's Creek when it first came out. My wife loved it. So same absolutely the same yes and yes. then she did a rewatch i sat down and thoroughly watched it with her and even i i will admit season one is a little bit like takes some getting used to but it picks up so well and someone put it very well i think it was a tweet my wife actually forwarded to me and it was that while the show has so many easy targets for jokes 
it does so well at just making fun of them as the fish out of water in this otherwise smaller, quieter local town and never really punches down at everyone else for being locals and their own quirky selves. The joke is really, we are rich and don't know how to fit in this community, not the other way around. And I think that's what Dean does this week is while the joke is he inadvertently makes a hate crime against someone, both in the fact that they hinted him being queer and at being a uh, little person and the whole fairy thing. Like it, it has so many vectors to go wrong, but they're able to do it in a way where no one else thinks it's funny in the world. Everyone else goes, this was a horrible thing and you're a bad person. And Dean's just like, I didn't mean it. That's not what happened. Uh, I wanted to mention, since we're talking about like how to, how to do your jokes, basically that uh, one of the best examples of this that I can think of is parks and recreation. Uh, because the first season of that show was really, really rough. And the writers, if you listen to a podcast, cause they had a, like a companion podcast after the fact, uh, they talk about like at the end of season one, realizing that everybody was dunking on the main character, Leslie Nope. And they were like, what if we change this so that everybody just like goes along with it and loves her for being, loves her for who she is. And that like, you can instantly tell a difference when season two starts of like, Oh, this is a much better show now. And I love that idea. And I, I love the, the I, I really love the thought of here in supernatural of them, you know, experience with that yeah mean-spirited comedy doesn't get you very far and uh i think supernatural i mean i feel like i i like the kripke era quite a lot but i think that some of his jokes are certainly a little bit more mean-spirited um and when you take that away it works a lot better yeah to bring up a point that was uh, that was brought up earlier with some of the writers we don't trust as much uh mary knows i have a bit of a a, a, a mostly hate relationship between uh, what are the, I know it's Laughlin and Andrew Dab and Daniel Laughlin. Yes, I always have the mixed up uh, who's who, but Dab and Laughlin, and like their two most recent episodes have truly made me reconsider like my f- opinion on them. But I feel like their first few episodes, like I think you said it really well, is they almost use like they tried to take something that was very like not their space to be in. And make it like their point and they just ended up making a white savior story and being very disrespectful to the the culture or the people. And it was just like, this feels like a child who thinks they're doing the right thing and just not doing it properly. So every time I see their names, I'm like, oh, I'm worried. And then I get like this decent episodes in season six so far. And I'm like. Maybe they've learned their lessons. Yeah. You can hope. You can hope with trial and error. You know, people learn, people grow. And Supernatural is a long, long show that allows a lot of different iterations of, of writers and, and growth. And sometimes it, it goes in the opposite direction. But most for most for the most part, it's good. I will say uh, there's an episode coming up in this season um, called The French Mistake. Uh, and I wrote a fanfic about it there's a sequel to the french mistake where uh, i don't want to tell you the premise but like let's just say that i really roasted some of the writers because i was so mad at them somewhere in season like 13 or 14 i got so angry at buck lemming that i just was just mad at them because they are yeah i want to strangle them sometimes but yeah yeah andrew dab gets better i think i think dab is is will be will, will be your guy after a while i can't remember laughlin i don't remember laughlin too well sometimes the names escape me Daniel Laughlin only ever wrote with Andrew Dabb, as far as I'm aware, or as far as I remember. And then eventually Dabb starts writing on his own and then eventually becomes showrunner as well, Drew. That's one of those things, too, like when I learned that he was going to have his own era and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. And now I am reevaluating it based on his more recent work. So I'm a lot more hopeful. So I'm very intrigued to see. And I'm also very curious to see, like, 
how he does solo. I'll be very curious as well. I, I always like those moments we kind of get to see someone like work a little differently for once. One thing that's also really interesting. So you mentioned Buck Lemming. Drew, we've only watched one Buck Lemming episode so far, and it was the racist truck. Oh, Jesus. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> oh, God. Thank you for all of that nipple play, Buck Lemming. We really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> we would not be the same without it. Thank you. So much nipple stuff in that episode. What is the deal? <laughs> that was like a big conversation apparently in the editing room where they didn't want the girl on top for Dean, for Dean's sex really? scene. Yeah, that was a There's huge so conversation. There's so much fragile masculinity in the early seasons of Supernatural. I don't know why, like I have like a big, and I love the Kripke era, but for some reason, like there's something about Kripke that just irks me. And I don't, I can't quite explain what it is. And it's con consistent through all of his work. And so like, that's to me where I see, I'm like, oh, that was Kripke. Like that was Kripke. Like, ah. Uh. Uh, I guessed it on another podcast to shout them out. Um, Driver picks the music uh, where Logan is going through episode by episode, but only covering like the music that is used in Supernatural. Um, and she mentioned that there's like Eric Kripke quote out there that where he doesn't listen to any music that was made past like 1985 or something. And I feel like that sums up my issues with, with Kripke perfectly of like, just what he's one of those, he's one of those dudes that the, like felt like he learned his, his entire personality in high school and like stuck with it and became successful somehow. He's a nerd who became very defensive and that turned him into a snob. And I think that's where some of that mean spirited stuff comes from. Again, don't, don't hate the dude, but like, I see the trajectory there. The number of women that he has named Jessica and killed off, like just that, it, it, like, I'm so glad that I don't have a background in psychoanalysis because like that would be like just. So when it comes to like trust and suspicion also, because you on your podcast, you use like, because they've, your listeners have known you for so long at this point. I also feel like that circle of trust is also growing right and i i think drew and i like i don't know how you feel drew but i know that i feel that way too where sometimes like i'll say stuff on twitter and like i'll get replies from people who don't know me don't follow me and they're like oh i can't believe you would say this and i'm like well that's not what i meant here's what i actually meant whereas like i can say the same thing on the podcast and i don't even have to explain it people will get it so i think like this relationship that sort of develops over time with listeners is also like something that, you know, I find really interesting. It's very strange because I think like in the, in the realm of podcasts, like I think we're all pretty small, right? Like nobody's putting up this American life numbers or anything like that. But you, what, what happens with podcasts is like you get dedicated people listening to you every week who want to hear what you have to say about us, who ask you, who were like, when are you going to cover this? I want to hear you talk about Lord of the Rings or whatever it is. And it's, it, it's, 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 it's very to me, it's very fragile. Like it makes me feel nervous because I have this person's putting their trust in me. And I'm like, it, it's like I'm carrying six beers to the table and I don't know how I'm going to hold them all. You know what I'm saying? Like I, it's very nerve wracking um, in, in some ways, but uh, it's also very gratifying, I think, to have people to listen to you and actually understand you and know where you're coming from or trying to come from. Chris, I don't know if you feel this way at all. I don't know. Our listeners, after we've done so many episodes and then we start to navigate maybe trickier topics, maybe topics that Jeremy and I don't 
always feel qualified to talk about spaces that we don't feel qualified to be in. And I think for the most part, unless there's some secret angry um, newsletter going on around about us, I think people have given us the benefit of the doubt because when even when we're, we're being complete dumbasses, people understand that we that we are trying to, to listen. And we I feel incredibly fortunate to have reached a place with our listeners like that where we can explore ideas, we can make stupid jokes, and people understand that we don't mean any harm and sometimes have to guide us in the right direction. And, and it's very, very fortunate to be in that position with a lot of wonderful people. Yeah, just having listeners and people who enjoy our content that are not just fans, but are also comfortable discussing with us. Like we've received voicemails or we've been contacted by people who you know, have had their own opinions about things or wanted to show us a different side of things or just wanted to share in this space with us. And I think that's such a nice, it's such an honor. Honestly, it's a genuine honor when someone wants to share their perspective because they have an angle that Mary and I don't have. I mean, uh, we've gotten some amazing messages and I look forward to our voicemails every week more than almost any other part of the show because I love that level of connectivity we get. Like I talk about this show with people when people like, oh, you do a podcast. Tell me about that. And like, I almost always get into the voicemails. There's like a few that have just stuck with me over the years and just like hearing people's stories or how they've connected to our content and how like it, it we've like, like I, I feel cheesy saying, but people will be like, oh, you've touched my life in this way. And it's like, like, I feel you're giving me way too much credit, but like, thank you. It's the carrying of the beers to the table, right? Yeah, just being just super, super careful. Like it's, it's to, because you have people's feelings in your hands uh, or in your, you know, you're in their ears constantly. Um, it's 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 weird. And then people sometimes people tell you that they listen to you while they're going to sleep at night. And you're like, so am I not am I not funny or <laughs> am I? We, we recently said that to on, on some episode of something, we said that like we consider ourselves to be a comedy podcast and our, our lovely friends in our discord were like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd call you a comedy podcast. <laughs> No like, comedy podcast is our, is our defense mechanism for for when we clearly don't know what we're talking Absolutely, about. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but it was it was very funny. But no, it's 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 you have to have that trust with people. You you they have given us the benefit of the doubt so many times. You know, it's one thing to get a tweet from a Twitter rando who misinterprets what you mean, and it's another thing for somebody to say like, "Hey, I think this about what you said," and and it gives you something new to consider, and it's not an attack. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a two way street, you know, you have to be kind to them for them to be kind to you. And I don't, Jeremy, I don't know if we've necessarily done this, but I feel like when we started our show, we were maybe much more hard about our opinions. We're like, this is how I feel about this. And that's final. And then as we've gone on, as we met so many people in the fandom, it kind of opens us up. It softens us up. So even maybe we'll spend 10 minutes making fun of something, but there's a little bit more, we ease off a little bit and we, we leave space for, for something to, I mean, I'm giving ourselves a heck of a lot of credit right now um but it's just something you adapt with your audience you know um and you don't always want to just be like i'm right and you're wrong you listen to me and i don't have to listen to it, it doesn't work that way it has to be a two-way street and um it's i think it's very, incredibly rewarding when you open yourself up to that i'm very cautious of the content i take in for supernatural to avoid spoilers and stuff so like I've listened to a bunch of your episodes here and there, especially when they've been like relevant as what we're talking about or we're interacting with you guys. So this episode, your episode on Clap Your Hands You Believe, I only listened to like this weekend. And I had one of those very amazing moments where, and I realize now because I've been tangentially connected to you guys for so long and I know your humor, I didn't take it personally. 
But when you started making fun of Sam playing with magic cards, <laughs> as I'm sitting on the fucking floor of my office organizing a box of magic cards. Magic the Gathering became a target for us for some reason. I don't know why. We are like the two nerdiest people in the world. I have, I'm literally surrounded by trading cards of all sorts. I got no room to talk, but it was just like, we have a, we have a friend who is super into Magic the Gathering. And I think he just somehow tangentially became the target of our jokes. <laughs> but I was sitting there with like a bunch of cards in hand as I'm sorting them. And I'm just hearing this and I'm like, oh, I know what I'm talking about today. <laughs> You don't. Uh, you don't happen to play a bass, right? You're not a bass. No, bass I have player. no musical talents at all. I can't sing or play an instrument. You're, you're bass safe. players are our number one target. It's for, well. It's first of all, it's Bucklemming. Is that's there? There in the crosshairs. Then it's bass players. I don't know why. We're really mean to bass players. I don't know what it is about bass players, but I go after them, and I don't know what it is. Would you believe it if I told you that my high school boyfriend was? <laughs> A bass player who played with magic cards. Yeah, this is he's he's in my he's in my sights. He's in my crosshairs. He was really cool. He was really tall. Actually, he was just as tall yeah. as Sam. Did he have say. a ponytail? Because that is what truly completes it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I, I, I actually do want to tie us back to supernatural because when we're talking about like uh, you know us as podcasters listening to our audience and op- becoming a little softer or more open minded about whatever. Because Chris and I went through that journey. Like we started with like what is Destiel basically, and then made Destiel music videos at some point. Um, I think Supernatural does that too, right? And Mary, you were talking recently about like not getting some humor that the writers use because you can't tell who they're talking about. And like, it's that, it's them listening to, I struggle so much with Supernatural figuring out if they actually like listen to their fans or if they just like listen to other people talking about the Supernatural fandom because it seems like they have this skewed version and you can see this in like certain episodes. I don't remember where they are, so I don't want to say too much, but uh, the there's episodes where they like kind of seemingly go after their fandom and I'm like, why... It'd be like if Chris and I made fun of people that listen to Monster of the Week, right? Like, it's like, why are you making fun of the people that are paying your bills? Like, I don't, I don't, and it's, but in some cases they do it and it's perfect. Like, there's a scene, there's an episode in like season 11, um, the high school scene. Let me just say that. And and it's like, oh, okay, well, you guys are listening. Like, you guys know, and you're, and you're capable of like being better but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a point with this. I'm just kind of fascinated with, with how shows work in general. It's, it's a subject we've definitely covered before. I know, especially looking back on the uh, the Supernatural convention episode. But again, I think it's interesting, like the way that they show. And Drew, I think you were the one who mentioned that because like the way that they treat like um, the two. Well, the, the queer couple on on that episode versus the way that they treat Becky is is very very interesting to me like that difference in in gender and how that affects the way that like oh this fangirl we don't want her but these fanboys like that's fine like you know queer is fine but we draw the line at girl like it took doing the podcast for me to finally kind of see the the misogyny obviously there was a there's a lot of misogyny in supernatural especially early on special thanks kripke in in that episode in particular, I never I didn't see why people maybe were uncomfortable with, with Becky until finally watching it with the podcast. It comes time to discuss it, and I see, oh yes, she is like a caricature. That we are making fun of her. We are making fun of this type of excited fan. Why is what? Why are we choosing to do that? 
when we think it's annoying when, again, Jeremy, like you said, these people are paying your bills. This person's so passionate about the thing that you create, but they're the target of your joke. And it's a lot more mean spirited than a lot of the other jokes. Like, is it that cringy to go to a supernatural convention when people pay thousands of dollars to go to them? Like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't. Yeah. And for the show to be like one of those shows that spends a lot of time on the convention circuit, right? Like it's, it's supernatural is remarkable because of how accessible the cast has been via those conventions for so long. Like if I was Jensen and Jared having to deal with any episode that Becky is <laughs> across the board, like he'd be almost embarrassed to have to go stand in front of an audience of Becky's and be entertaining to them. Right. Like, and, and present yourself as, as an honest and true person. It's a very weird thing. And it's, like I, I talked about this a lot towards the end of Supernatural, but like I don't think we'll ever see another Supernatural again. Like it's such a weird moment in history. Like nobody's going to give a show like this fifteen seasons. Like that that is over with and done. Like we're we're lucky if Netflix will give us three seasons of something at this point. But like and, and on top of that, the fandom and the way it exploded because of like the point we were in the internet, right? Like there was a point where the writers were talking. There was a message board where they were responding to people. That's insane nowadays. Like you can't. Yeah, yeah. Like earlier on, there was like a fan message board and like, I can't remember some members of, I don't don't know if it was the writing team or the production staff were like talking to people. And of course that quickly got out of hand as you might imagine. So What? No. (laughs) I can't believe that. Uh, The worst part is I um, couldn't tell you which side would be the more problematic side, the, the fans or the production team. Yeah, it's um, it's it's something, man. And then you know, I genuinely, I think, I think there's some genuinely lovely people that are dedicated to this fandom. Like they're dedicated to this TV show, like yourselves, right? Like y'all are y'all are both addicts at this point, and we all have been supernatural pilled, just like me and Chris, where you can't watch anything without talking about it in a frame of the supernatural. But even just the actors, like, oh, I've seen this actor in Supernatural, like. Huh. I don't know if y'all have ever, uh, IMDB has a comparison search tool. Have y'all used this before? It's a fun one. You could type in two shows and it shows you the actors that the shows have in common. Um, and it's, it's wonderful for like, oh, I know this person, but I don't know where, but it's, and it's always supernatural. The answer is I've always, it's always, always supernatural. So if you can do this, I have a game for you. Uh, find it, find a show that has more actors in common than supernatural and X-Files. Because I think the last time I looked, it was like like 900 or something. Like, it was insane. 900 cast members of overlap between those two shows? Yeah. And it's because it counts production people, too. So, like, sound people and things like that. But it's a, it's an insane number. And it's a, it's, it's a fun game to play. So. Even above Grey's Anatomy? Because Grey's Anatomy was running at the same time or and is still running, like, as Supernatural. 146 names in common, Grey's Anatomy and Supernatural. <laughs> Including number five on the list is Taylor Swift. So, I mean, <laughs> I do remember her showing up in Supernatural. That's right. That's yeah, right. that was like a great yes, episode. Yes. Yes. Sorry to spoil that one for you, Jurban. Season 15. I'm so excited. I'm a big Swifty. They go <laughs> they, to the Aero store. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone has haunted the Aero store. We got to fix this. <laughs> Sam's in the corner, like, this doesn't sound like our thing. It's our thing, Sammy. <laughs> I'm telling you, Sam, we have to go. We have to go. That left speaker is completely haunted. We need to be right in front of it for an entire show just to get rid of the ghost. Trust me. And I really hope she plays cowboy like me. So usually we don't respond to a voicemail when we have a guest on. And usually we play the voicemails in the order we get them just because there's so many. But this week... This week, we had to make a very special exception. We watched this episode with our coffee and our Patreon supporters, and they informed us that we 
wanted Nell to send a very specific voicemail for this episode. So here is a very special and very specific voicemail from Nell. Hi, Carrying Wayward, it's Nell, and I'm here to talk to you about the elephant in the room, or in this case, in the cornfield. Yes, I, as someone who was raised in Indiana, have a lot of thoughts about the presence of the cornfield in this episode. Specifically, people in Indiana are not going out into cornfields in the middle of the night to canoodle. I'm sorry, we're just not. Cornfields are not actually a particularly safe place to spend time, nor are they shockingly all that much fun. Let's start with how difficult it is to even get into a cornfield. It's not that easy. Corn stalks are pointy. They're a little sticky. They're spiky. They're tall. And they're dense. Thus, getting into a cornfield itself would be quite difficult. And doing it at night, if you're not familiar with the cornfield, would be even more difficult. Also, you'd get lost forever and you'd never get out of the cornfield because, surprise, surprise, they all look the same at night. Another thing about cornfields at night, a lot of things like to live in cornfields. Coyotes, raccoons, foxes, ticks, mosquitoes. All I'm saying is that a cornfield is not a fun place to spend time. And as a raised Hoosier, which is the name for somebody from the state of Indiana, if you didn't know, I feel like it's my duty to let you know that that's just not a thing we do. And in fact, I've spoken to several of the people I know who also live in Indiana, and everyone has agreed. No one is spending time in Cornfield at night, and they're certainly not getting down jiggy with it. I'm sorry, that's just the facts. So anyway, I just thought I ought to clear that up for the record, because uh, Supernatural seems to think that's a thing that people might do. Um... And it's just not. So that's my spiel. I'd also like to register my objections and shock that in an episode that heavily features cornfields, there was not one single children of the corn joke made by Dean. And that is improbable to me because we absolutely know Dean has seen that entire franchise and has thoughts on it. Uh, Yeah, so that's all I really had to say. I just had a lot of feelings about the cornfield. Um, Good to talk to you as always. And I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Bye. I uh, I don't want to offend any Indiana people, uh, but I definitely thought Hoosier was a tire for f- I'm 42 years old. So uh, f- a solid like probably 30 of, ever since I learned the word Hoosier, I just thought it was a tire. I don't know why I've never checked. I never, never understood. I just assumed it was a tire. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just you mispronouncing what Canadians call each other as hosers. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah uh, OK. We're learning. Thank you, Nell, for teaching us the word Hoosier. Did the cornfield scene shock you? Shock any of you before this? This is just a standard like movie thing, right? Like a movie TV show thing of just like people going into the woods. And in this case, it's just a cornfield. Like I don't. I've I've never gone necking in the corn, but I also live in Massachusetts. <laughs> we, I don't know if we have a lot uh, of corn here. Necking in the corn is the Taylor Swift's next album title. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I've never been in a cornfield. I, I also I want to point out one line from now that really tickled me for some reason, which was the, they all look the same at night. Do they look different in daylight? <laughs> they shape shift. <laughs> That's the true horror. That's the true horror. Because I feel like this is a trope, especially in alien movies, right? So I think they're trying to play off of that. And um... Which I guess then raises the question, why do aliens seem so, like, gosh darn set on landing in cornfields and creating crop circles? 
Like, there's so many clearings they could be landing in. Why cornfields? I wasn't going to tell this story, uh, but I could shed some light on some on some UFO stuff. And uh, apologies. Chris has heard this story already, but uh, I'll, and I'll, I'll be quick because I, I, I know we're going way long, probably. Uh, I was recently asked uh, by a customer uh, what I thought about the Air Force releasing all this information about UFOs. And I was like, ah, I, I, whatever, I don't, don't really have an opinion about this. Like, uh, you know, I guess it's just like literally unidentified flying objects up there. I don't know, man. What do you think? And he says, uh, perfectly straight face, all seriousness. Uh, I think they are demonic beings intent on convincing us that God isn't real. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's an angle. And, and that's, <laughs> that's, and I, I just, I told Chris the other day, like, if this was like Crowley's plan <laughs> to, to be able to, get, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how great would this be? And I just, I just, the idea, because the, the thought behind this was they are going to pretend to be from a, a galaxy that doesn't have God. And so we won't have God, right? Like where they're going to, and then everybody's going to not believe in God anymore. And that's going to bring about the, whatever Christians believe nowadays. Uh, and I just like, that's like perfect Crowley move <laughs> in my mind. of just, I want you as a demon form. Like, can you imagine like, like, to, like rank and file demons be like, we have to fly now. Like, really? Like <laughs> we have to learn how to fly a plane for nothing for like, just go into a cornfield and do weird stuff. So yes, Sorry to completely detour, but like, uh, 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 yeah, I, I think that's allowed at this point. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we really didn't focus on one very specific character this uh, week, and that was the um, the the lady who has all the information about the fairies with her tiny little teacups, Marion. Yes, and I just thinking about her and how though they really dismissed her at first as kind of being like a nutter. Cause she's the only one who thinks it's fairies, not aliens. Uh, and then she ends up being right. And they still go to her for information, but even in their going to her as an expert, there's a level of like, she's really out there. Which you could argue is why that's, that's why Sam didn't do the salt thing right away. I genuinely think because he just was like, I don't respect this woman or anything she has to say. <laughs> That's such an unfortunately soulless outline. But what it does make me think about in my own life is just the times where someone just doesn't seem like the person you want to trust in a certain way. Like there's almost like a little bit of doubt because of previous interactions. But you then eventually find like that they really were on the money. They knew what they were talking about. Like you misjudge them. Uh, it's not it's not a common thing I do, but like I have caught myself misjudging people and thoroughly regretting it later. So just a reminder to like, be a little more open-minded when it comes to people and like their opinions on things or their views on things. Cause sometimes they will open your eyes in ways you didn't know they could. I think this is a really good one, especially for this episode, because there's like a lot of layers to this, right? Because you're right. Like he calls her, he literally calls her crazy at the beginning and at the end, even though she was right about every single thing she told him. So if I can, if I can go ahead, I think for me, this episode was like, it really, again, made me reflect on, on trust assuming positive versus negative intent. And it sort of links also to the way that we recorded this particular podcast, because I was saying before we started that I had taken barely any notes because I sort of expected that um, there would be at least a little bit of chaos, knowing the people that we were inviting, <laughs> being familiar with their work. And so I think that like, allowing myself to let go of my usual system and tr putting my trust in the people that I was with on this team to do this recording was, uh, 
was a really good thing for me to do. So thank you for helping me through that. That's very nice. Thank you. Nice. Nice. That's very sweet. Was there anything that like kind of came up for you, like through our discussion or through rewatching the episode? You know, as much as it's incredibly funny that Sam lacks empathy and he's just a huge dick this whole episode, uh, it is a it is a reminder to to have empathy for people. It's it's hilarious that Dean comes back and he says you should be you know suffering in the dark, but when you think, oh, th- this person doesn't even care what I just went through. They're so, you know, of course, logically, Sam couldn't have done anything. But the fact that he just doesn't care, that hurts. So it's, it is a reminder to have empathy for people, to be considerate about the way that you talk to the people that you love and, you know, keep that in mind and don't just, um, you know, brush things aside. Like, oh, yeah, we've been through this before. You know, I've, oh, I've dealt with this problem a hundred times. Who cares, right? Like, you have to remember to have empathy for other people. In a similar fashion for me, watching this episode, I watched it with some of the community members for Monster of the Week. And then discussing it with you guys, just thinking about uh, punching down when you're writing jokes or when you're trying to be funny and just always like think about why something is funny when you're saying it and not just going to the super obvious thing that you, you know, that your brain may go to instantly. Just always being kind of cognizant of that. Uh, I think that I think for a lot of people, it's like. I, they get to a point and they're like, okay, I'm good. I've, I've done all of that work. And I, I really like the older I get uh, and the more that I talk about things um, <laughs> on our comedy podcast, uh, it's, it's just such a reminder that it's, it's not, it's not a job that you do and that you finish. It's just a, it's just a part of being um, a good person or just trying to make yourself a better person. Maybe uh, of just constantly being aware of like, what am I doing? Like, what are, what are my motivations in this? Like, what are, where am I coming from? Why do I think this is funny? And just kind of constantly interrogating yourself and maybe losing some of the stuff that you thought was funny 20 years ago, right? Like, you know, um, maybe when I watched this episode as it aired, like this, all of those bits about somebody's height or the fairies or whatever, uh, maybe someone watches that and is like, oh yeah, that's hilarious. And then 20 years down the line, they're like, oh wait, no, maybe, maybe they're not actually that funny. Maybe that was something bad. So just, you know, constantly, I mean, not constantly, but just being open to self-interrogation, I guess is my thesis here. I think this is really good, especially like this idea of like, like you said, not constantly, but just always reevaluating and just like being like, oh yeah, now that I have this information, I changed my mind. Like, oh, okay. That's okay to do, right? Before we say goodbye, I was just uh, wanting to make sure to thank Chris and Jeremy properly to say thank you so much for taking the time out of a Sunday afternoon to come and hang out with us and record a podcast on Supernatural. <laughs> thank you for having us. This has been fantastic. Thank you very much for having us on. It's been so long since I think we've watched Supernatural at this point, or at least for me, and it's especially the you know season six. I haven't seen this in so long, so it was really it's it was a delight to come back and and watch this and then get a chance to talk about it with new people. It's so thank you again. Well, you're very welcome. Actually, before before we do that, Chris, I completely forgot, but I had prepared a specific question for you. I wanted to know about your rating of Sam's hair in this it's, episode. It's good. I think actually, not to be uh, too crass, post-coital Sam, I think he's got like this little like swoop bang thing going on. I'm a big fan. I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm a big fan of season six uh, Sam hair. You know, he's very, he's very buff this season. The hair is looking great. Um, and I would give, I, you know, I'd give this episode a 10 out of 10 hair. That's, that's just for me. That's for me. Strong, strong. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. I was, I was actually, I was like, oh my god, he has really good hair in this episode. <laughs> like, Season is really good. Like he's been at the salon. Like, <laughs> does being logical make you better at doing yeah, your he's hair? Getting a, like it's just a more aerodynamic 
uh, haircut. You know, the, the little like flippy, puffy kind of like thing that he gets in the back. That's not there. It's this is sleek. This is slick. He's looking good. I mean, those sideburns. We could debate the sideburns, but I would say that they're they're strong and they make an impression. You know, and that's what you want a sideburn. I don't mind to do. the sideburns. I hear people like dunking on them all the time, but I'm like, I think he carries. Them I mean, with well, those with those know? cheekbones, he could carry anything home. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, it's it's a uh, Dean. This looks like the one who's going to supercuts every two weeks, right? Like his his hair in this was bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you get abducted by aliens that are actually fairies and see how your hair looks. <laughs> fair, fair, absolutely fair. Yeah. <clears throat> and so where can we find both of you on social media? I'm still on Twitter for some reason at JG Greer. Uh, I constantly think about leaving and just don't out of inertia, I guess. Uh, the podcast is at MOTW cast just about everywhere. So that's Twitter and Instagram and uh, TikTok and I don't uh, LinkedIn probably. Yeah. Ch- ch- shout us out on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll boost you or whatever you do. I don't know what you do on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can find, of course, if you can find the podcast on like all major, all podcast services to my knowledge. Um, and then of course, still his kingdom keeps, they wouldn't let us have still his kingdom keeps on Twitter. So we're here at his kingdom keeps. Uh, and if you like, I'm just going to make a pitch because if you like supernatural, uh, and you want a kind of a wholesome, will they, won't they kind of thing. Merlin is a really fantastic show that's, I think, easily... It, in fact, when Chris told me years ago uh, that <laughs> he was watching Merlin, I made fun of him because I was like, oh, that's dorky. And now we're doing a podcast about it because it is absolutely... It is that. It is very dorky, but it's also wonderful. Like, it has just... It has the very core energy that Supernatural has, which are like two boys that are out against the world, basically. Um and it's just a fantastic show. So watch Merlin and listen to our podcast about it. And I'm at Local Bones on Twitter. And Jeremy said everything else. You've been listening to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast produced by Rochelle Castellano and hosted by Drew Shulman and myself, Marie Vigourou. Thank you to everyone supporting us on Coffee or Patreon. And an extra thank you to our Bunker patrons, uh, Katira, L, and Jeremiah Thomas. This week, we'd like to thank Chris and Jeremy for recording this episode with us. You can find the links to all our social medias and our merch store at carryingwayward.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to us, please. And if you like Carrying Wayward and you'd like to support us through our project to go through 15 seasons of Supernatural, you can support us through Coffee or Patreon. And you can find those links at carryingwayward.com. Carry on, our wayward hunks. <laughs> it was a little a little homage there i think we made it through that whole episode without saying the word hunks oh, i know. Just I like that too just what? now I was like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> i'm like we have failed oh, wow what's what's happened to us at least we got a sam's hair was... comment in there it wasn't a real. total disaster <laughs> <laughs>